Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, CFL fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 255. I think it's 255. might be 256. I don't know. Charles, I think, made this one up. Anyhow, let's see. Week one, 2018 CFL season has begun. We just completed week one. Oh, my God. This is the review show. It happens every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. But you know what? It was Father's Day, and... The panel wanted to spend the time with their family, except, well, he was bitching because we weren't going to do the show. But anyhow, that's beside the point. He bitches about everything. Um, So this is it. Monday night, we're going to do the review of the weekend show. It's going to be awesome. We we had football to watch. Unbelievable. Four four games. Ottawa had the bye. And coincidentally, they're in first place in the Eastern Division. That is the norm. Why is that the norm? Because every Eastern team lost this week. Okay? Who's surprised by that? Nobody. Now, here's the kicker. What's the only Western team that didn't win? Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think they secretly want to be back in the Eastern Division because they're be with all their other losers like that. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I think Winnipeg really wants to go back into the Eastern Division. I, I, I don't know. They, they just seem to be doing it by the simple fact that they're not winning. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a goof. And I'm really expecting Mark to say something right now because his, his mic is the only one that didn't mute. And so he's sitting here online and, and he's not even, get, there's no comeback here at all. At least I thought he'd be swearing at me, thinking he'd be on hold or something. But he's not. Mark, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. I was just waiting for my introduction. Okay. Considering yeah, no, no, you, you could bitch and hoot and holler, but when you call in, yeah. I actually have to mute your mic when it does it. But when I phone out everybody, everybody's mute mic automatically gets muted, and I never. I just yeah. left yours alone just just to tease <laughs> you a little bit to see what you were going to say under your breath. No, there's not a lot to say. Realistically, the Bombers want to be in the Eastern Division. No, they want to go back with all their buddies. No, they I mean, could be in first we'll, place. We'll get into the game shortly, but when you really think about it, to only lose by three in conditions like that would probably help them. But to only lose by three against Mike Riley, I'll take it. Yeah, I understand that. But a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter whether it's by one point or 100 points. It's still a loss. Who leads the league in touchdown passes? Chris Strebler. What, because he got three? Yep. (laughs) Doesn't he also lead the league in interceptions? Uh, He got two, I think. Yeah, I think he also leads the league in interceptions. (laughs) So I don't don't know if that's such a good stat, buddy. Okay. Uh, I, I was... Doing something there. I was over on on CFL.ca on the stats. He has a QB index of seventy nine point two. Yep. I don't but. know. <laughs> it's higher than Bo Levi Mitchell. 
and Ricky Ray for that matter. So there you go. Mind you, Bo Levi. I mean, I was not impressed with him being a quarterback in this game. It was like he was over. Yeah, everybody's saying, oh, his arm strength is back. Yeah, he's overthrowing the receivers by 15 yards. How's that reality? (laughs) I don't know. James Franklin has the best QB index rating for the entire league, okay? He threw one pass. It completed, so he's 100%. He got two yards. His efficiency rating is 427.1. Unbelievable. I think you had to pass, throw the ball more than once to uh, justify this. Okay, let's open up some other mics and get somebody in here. I'm going to leave Will for a bit. No, I'm just joking. Um, Chris, Chris, there you are. How you doing, hey, buddy? Yep. Good. How are you, Jim? Pretty good, man. Welcome back to the show. I really missed you over the summer. Yeah, you know, I miss doing it. Uh, it's always nice to to have that uh, intelligent conversation about football, especially with uh, other people that are – open-minded about not just being homers <laughs> it's always nice to have an intelligent conversation about football yeah that is a challenge at best um it's inti- it, it's difficult to find an intelligent conversation on any subject never mind football uh i don't know you know half the people you meet during your day are below average some of them way below <laughs> or at least they prefer they like to be that way anyway yeah yeah, I don't know what what is going on. It's just, it's a it's a weird society we're in these days. Very weird. Okay, let's open up smartphones. Will's mic here. Yeah, smartphones are just dumbing down society. Yeah, well, and it's the old saying that we live in an age of smartphones and dumb people. Yeah. 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 Exactly. My, you ever watch a? My son has got the shirt. <laughs> oh, does he? There's there's a guy yeah. out there uh, n- named Prince EA. He kind of does these. Uh, um, rap type things, and I'm not a rap, rap fan at all. I, I absolutely hate the thing. But Prince EA, and he's done this one that's basically it's quite good. It's all on on iPhones and iPads and this and that and everything else. One of the lines in there is, "Mr. Zuckerberg, I don't mean to be rude, but your product isn't a social network. It's an anti-social network." Well, and it's it's kind of true thing. Yeah. Will, welcome, buddy. How you doing? I'm just fine. You know what? Is is Bo's QB waiting really below Chris Trivler? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, oh, okay. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell's uh, QB efficiency rating is 73.5 with one, one TD, one interception, but he was only 17 completions on 36 attempts. You know, that, that's not good. I mean that's like less than fifty percent. It's actually forty seven point two percent. That's terrible. That, that that's awful. Yeah. But, but there's there's Willie's QB there's Willie's QB weight rating, which he's yeah. number one on it's just it's called just win baby. Pretty no, simple. no. Drew Willie yeah, that's that's your rating, just right? Win, just win, baby. Just yeah. win, baby. Okay. That's all well, that matters. He, just win, okay, baby. Okay, so then he's tied with three other QBs, right? Yes, he is. That's not bad yeah. out of nine guys. Yeah. Out of nine yeah. guys, that's pretty good. Not bad. We'll tied see how that first. goes. The, tied so for these, first. Called, these are called divisional standings is what you're talking about right now. You're not actually talking about QB rankings right now. You're talking about standings. 
as opposed okay. to power rankings. There's, you know, there's a difference there. Okay. Uh, okay. Charles, your mic's open, buddy. How you doing? Charles. I'm doing good. Just looking through, and uh, I'm pissed off because we got the, a buy already. So we yeah, don't have I know. to watch our team well, this week. I hate not, early season buys, although I know there's three of them this year, so. Yeah, I mean, like the Ottawa Red Blacks were kind of even more pissed. Their season hasn't started yet. But the good thing about yeah. that is is they haven't lost either. Everybody else in their division yeah. has. We're going to be undefeated for two weeks. Does that make Ottawa number one in their division? Yes, it does. It does, yes. yes. Probably. Yeah, it does. Okay, here, uh, hang on. Charles, I don't think that's right. Undefeated in, because I think week two, who do we play in week two or week three? BC plays Ed- week oh, yeah. three, Edmonton. Yeah, that, that that could be a challenge. Possibly. Okay. We'll possibly, possibly. Never you never know. Exactly. Okay, so let's review the games. What shall we do? Uh, hang on. Do I do this? Call 516-418-5408 to speak with the host. Or hit up our social media through the Facebook group or on Twitter at Let's Talk CFL. Okay. So, anyhow. What yes. What? Nothing. There's just a weird okay. noise after that, but that's okay. Oh, that was me. That was you. <clears throat> that was me. Yeah. Er. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the recording. It was just me being a goof, and I'm. I'm exceptionally good at it. Okay. So. No, yes, you are. Yes. I know. I know. I know. Week one segment. Okay. We got the Edmonton Eskimos into Winnipeg to play the Blue Bombers. And what came, what it came out of this game? The longest CFL game in history. We had not one, not two, but three separate, and we're not going to call them rain delays. They were lightning delays, okay, where all the little players had to go to the field or to the little clubhouse and hang out while the lightning was overhead. So this happened three times in the game. They, they had to keep getting the game started. So I don't know. It was kind of weird and scary. Um. But, you know, it, during that game, there was lightning coming down all over the place. There should have, the game should have been called into the thing. But then Winnipeg was, had the ball and was moving down and scored a touchdown when Jason Moss is trying to protect his players. Now, I understand his bitching and complaining, but would he been, have been bitching and complaining if it was Edmonton going down to score that touchdown? I think not. But why wasn't the game called? That's the big question. So, final score was Edmonton 33, Winnipeg 30. It was a close game. Winnipeg held their own considering they didn't have a quarterback. Charles, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, first of all, I was kind of thankful that it actually got delayed because on Thursday night I ended up working late and never got home till after 9 o'clock. And then when I got home at 9 o'clock, I realized – Hey, I've still got a half of football to watch. Yeah, so I did I was the same thing. Happy. Uh, that had to be incredibly difficult uh, for both of those teams there. That um, really, um, to have those delays and start and stop, that, that could not have been easy. But um, you got to give it credit. Of course, Mike Riley does what Mike Riley does. And he, uh, when he's one of those quarterbacks that um, 
if you're within striking distance, you're never out of the game. And he showed that on uh, on Thursday night. you got to give some credit to Chris Strebler. I mean, this is a guy right out of university. And he actually uh, acquitted himself quite well. Um, he had some struggles. Sure, he had some struggles. The guy, he's a kid out of university. He's not going to be a world beater. But he did, I think, as well as anyone could have imagined. And i got to say, um, he did uh, a good job. He had his team on the verge of a win, and they probably should have won that game. But uh, in the end, experienced, and Mike Riley was able to pull it out in a game that was under really crazy conditions. But um, um, you got to give it to Edmonton. They were able to uh, fight through that and fight from behind late uh, to pull out the victory. So good on them. And, um, you know, Winnipeg's got, even though they lost, I think they can be uh, kind of encouraged and um, kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, optimistic that Strebler might be able to get them through this uh, patch uh, until Matt Nichols is going to be back. They're going to have to because Alex Ross is hurt now. So uh, it's his ball all the way for sure. So. Yeah, but they signed That's Mitchell Gale. Yes, I saw that. They signed so, Mitchell Gale. Um, I mean, hey. At least they have a little bit of experience behind them. <laughs> yeah. Team. He's a warm body. A warm body. <laughs> yep. And he can throw the ball. He can. Okay. Sometimes. William. Some of the catches. Did you watch it all? Um, I eventually watched it all. I gave up about, I don't know, midnight or so, because I had to go to bed, okay? Because I'm really a bitch when I don't get my sleep, so. Um, bitch most of the time. And who knows who knows how long the rain delay would be. Um, you know what? Chris Trevler, I, I, I don't think he looked as bad as we all thought he was going to look. I mean, the first two or three series, of course, they threw everything in the kitchen sink at him, and he looked a little flustered, but then he settled down, and he started he started using his athletic ability, and I think, uh, you know, he, did, he didn't look out of place. Um, the Bombers are a good team, I think, except for their, except for their poorest-ass defense, which that hasn't changed, obviously. I mean, you know, Mike Riley threw for 408 yards, and he only had one TD in the air. And he actually he was actually the top runner for Edmonton with 43 yards. And every time he ran, I was screaming at somebody from Winnipeg to hit him, but they just never got a chance to hit him. And uh, if he runs like that all year long, I don't think Mike Riley's going to make the season, to be honest with you. So, but we said that so many watch, times, watch. though, Will. Will, we have said that over and over and over. No, yeah, I know yeah. that. I know that. But the more opportunities you get to hit them, you know, there's a good chance. Um, you know, and and I really believe Winnipeg. Winnipeg dominated the third and fourth quarter, and I don't know how they lost that game <laughs> because. They 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 owed Edmonton in the third and fourth quarter, but they, they just did. left enough space, left enough space for Edmonton to come back and win, and that's exactly what happened. So there's the two words uh, to describe what happened to, to Winnipeg. There's two words to describe it: Mike Riley. Mm. Yep. 
Yeah, sure. But it, it's the hard way not you to stop Mike Riley, the way you stop Mike Riley is keep the ball away from Mike Riley. And uh, as Mark mentioned to me, I thought, you know, the last couple, Winnipeg should have ran the freaking ball. Because Andrew Harris looked pretty good. Andrew Harris, in my opinion, looked like he was in mid- mid-season form. He was running quite well. So mm-hmm. I think they just should have got to the hogs and told them to start pushing people around. But, nope, they didn't do that, and they lost the game. But, hey, you know what? It was a good effort for Winnipeg for a first game. So we shall see. I don't know. What, what happened here? Andrew Harris only had 77 yards rushing on 14 carries, 5.5 average. That's not awesome. He was the best rusher in the game. Yeah, he was. Okay. Western mm-hmm. Dressler. Oh, so, there you cool. go. Mm-hmm. In conditions, that rushing for... could not have been very easy because that field looked like a swamp. Yeah, right, Rushing would have been a lot easier than trying to catch the ball. Oh, that's probably true, too, though. Yeah, but guys still seem to catch it. But once again, that's going back to Winnipeg's poorest defense. Sorry, Mark. I mean, what did what's his name get? Uh, uh, Jarrell Walker got 176 yards in reception. Come on, it was pissing down rain the entire game. How did he catch Wow, there was a lot of yards. 408 yards by Mike Riley. He got 101 right. in one play. The rest of this game, he only yep. had 75 yards. Yeah. It was still more than anybody else in the on, on either team. Indeed it was. 70, the yep. 75 yards was more than anybody else on either team. That's Not true. counting his 101-yard pass. Mm-hmm. So, he's still the best receiver out there. Justin Medlock went one for one. Ooh, awesome. Pretty impressed with uh, Kevin Fogg's run, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hate to say it, but it's true. Okay. Next up, Mark, talk about your Bombers. Talk about the game. What happened to you? You I, I, Last I heard, you, you had to be up at 530 in the morning to go go to work. And then I, I heard, oh, I'm staying until the end of the game. Why? What the hell? Because Hardcore like football saying, fan? Well, that's part of it. But the other part was we did go to leave. We got down to the concourse, and there's the exit. And you couldn't see outside. It was actually a wall of rain. And <laughs> there was no way I was walking, even though it's only a 10-minute walk. There was no way I was walking home in that. It was like, well, it's drier here. I might as well stay, and I'm happy I did. I thought Strevler really, like Will said, there was the first couple of drives where he was, it was like, uh-oh. And he seemed to settle down, and Harris did help with some nice runs at the start of the game, too. But um, on that 101-yard catch, Randall slipped as he was going up. He actually had good coverage on Walker. It was a perfectly thrown Mike Riley ball. He threw it to where Walker was going to be the only one that was going to catch it. Walker had to extend full out to get it. So Randall was there, and then he fell. So there's your 100. The, The defensive backs played better. They still need to tighten up a lot, especially at the end of the game. 
But the I thought the defense, Adam Bighill was all over the field. Um, I think he led the team with eight tackles, which is, you know, pretty much average. Are you surprised by this? Not at all. Not at all. Watching um, with uh, Christopher, you have to understand, who did I watch the last two years as the Bombers starting middle linebacker? The guy still has a job in the CFL. I know he doesn't play, though. (laughs) But going from Sam Hurl to Adam Bighill, yes, I did notice it. He was everywhere. It was actually a lot of fun to watch. I I remember that one play where he came over the the line on the goal line. (laughs) (laughs) He was over before the snap of the ball, I think, before the quarterback got the ball in his hand. Look at this. Adam Bighill, eight, eight tackles. Anthony Gator, seven. Uh, Chandler Fenner, four. Uh, Craig Rowe, two. BC Lions did so really well BC in this game. Give, us yes, our B- give us our defense back. <laughs> we want our defense back. <laughs> but, you know, considering it's against Mike Riley, and you're right, Christopher, at the end of the game there, it was the reason Edmonton won was two words, Mike Riley. Mike Riley. <laughs> yeah. So, realistically, I am not upset at all about them losing to Edmonton like that. Considering the circumstances, the situation, the weather, I thought Strebler especially acquitted them quite quite well, and I thought everybody did. Even the defense, like, like Will said, the second and third quarter, and even in the fourth quarter until the end, Edmonton did nothing. The defense was shutting them down. Riley was getting all his passes. It was all stuff that was getting it between the 30s and then stalling. So that's fine, you know, especially when we got the free space next week. So I'm happy with the game going forward. Oh, and in answer to your question about who decides to call the game, it is actually up to the meteorologist to say if it's too dangerous to play. They let the weatherman decide? Yep. <laughs> uh, during the second delay, after meeting with the commissioner, team presidents, officials, and the league weather service provider, it was determined that the weather band would pass, and we had a very good opportunity to complete the game. Um, and then it's... Where else did it say? There's new software they're using, blah, blah. Uh, it's the meteorologist who advises whether play should stop. So I was actually going to ask, I forgot to ask, Chris, you may have read or seen something. Did Moss have an aneurysm? Because what? it looked like he was going to, running off the field when he was losing it on the refs. <laughs> I thought no, he was gonna, oh, my God. Just what was the typical Moss? they were stopping the game, or...? No, this is during the second rain, rain delay when they should have called it, and then Winnipeg got the yeah. touchdown, and Moss yeah. was just he, beside himself uh, yelling at the ref. But I'm thinking while we're watching this in the stands, and I'm thinking, you know, dude, you think the ref wants to be out there? You guys got jackets on and everything else. He's standing out there in the field. Um, it's not fun for him. With a lightning You're rod on his on head. <laughs> Especially since we had Andre Prue. You know how high up that hat sits. Poor bastards. <laughs> but did he have a GoPro on? 
Um, I didn't know one. No. I, I thought the ref cam was, was a good additive to that uh, preseason game. Oh, that was great. That was great. I hope they do that in yeah. every game. The ref cam. Okay. You know, because to end it, that's, they acquitted themselves well, and I'm happy going forward. Awesome. Okay, Chris, you have no nickel in this game. What do you think about what oh, yeah, I did? I was cheering for Edmonton. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, sorry, it you was are good. Edmonton fan. I forgot about that. Um, both teams, their defenses really mimic each other a lot, I thought. I, I mean, I knew it was going to be a defensive game with the weather anyway, but I think both teams have very solid front sevens, but both teams need to be worried about their secondaries because they look really poor at certain times. They look really bad at certain times. So I, I just there was too many broken coverages, too many open people, and it was it went both ways. Like I think both teams' secondaries are very questionable. Now uh, Grimes wasn't there for Edmonton, and there's going to be some changes. But uh, and uh, I'm a huge I've, I've become a huge uh, Chris fan, a Chevrolet fan, because I I think he played amazing for for what he what his level was and what he, you know what his expectations were. I thought he played an amazing game. I totally. We'll see if it continues because. Cato's first game was great too, and then everybody got film on him, and it changed. But uh, he, he, had, he had a great presence in the game, and and he uh, he definitely was uh, was good. I mean, I especially against you know Edmonton and a, and a Mike Riley. I don't think he looked out of place at all, and he kept in there, and they almost won the game. So good on him. No, it was good, and uh, the offenses were were okay. I mean, it's preseason. Right, like essentially, it's glorified preseason. It counts, but you can tell they're not all on the same page yet. And that was that was across the board in all the games, especially the O. Right? I mean, it just takes time for that rhythm to get in place and stuff. So uh, it was an entertaining game. I actually watched it from start to finish. So I was one of the crazy ones that stayed and I just went and did something while the breaks were on, and I stayed up till I guess here it would have been twelve thirty, twelve forty-five. Yeah, watched it. So, no, I was entertained. That's all I ever asked for. And, uh, um, of course, uh, Sports Select calls that a tie because you have to win by more than three points. So it kind of blew out my ticket but because mm-hmm. I had everything else right. It was just that one I picked as Edmonton winning, and they it was a tie officially. So, But, uh, but yeah, no, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think, if anything, I take away from Edmonton and Winnipeg definitely need to be a little bit worried about their secondaries because I think that they – looked very unshoveled at times and I don't think it was just a preseason factor. I think that they potentially just don't have either the personnel or the systems in place yet. And uh that scares me because that's you can give up a lot of yards real quick when you don't have a good secondary in this league with the quarterbacks you got. So but it was good. Yeah. Well Chris touched it on, on what I took out of this game. Edmonton doesn't have a a defensive back. I mean, their back, it's terrible. And if it was any quarterback in the CFL, but Chris Strebler, Edmonton would have got trashed. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it was any if Ricky Ray in there, I'll even put Jonathan Jennings in that group. If any quarterback with any experience was in there, Edmonton would have got shredded. The fact that they came up with a victory was a miracle. Their defensive backs are terrible. And, God help them for the rest of the season. They got to get their shit together because it's it, it's 
Mike Riley can only put so many points up on the board. The DBs have to stop, come and play defense. And they were terrible. They were god-awful. And uh, they're, they're fortunate to have two points there. And I'm really hoping that after the, the break here that BC has next week and we come back and play uh, Edmonton in Edmonton, I just hope we have the same DBs out there so that BC has the ability to shred that defense up. That would be fun to watch. And then we'd be 2-0. and oh. who's, yep. who's doing the dishes? I was getting some ice. Sorry if that was me. Yeah, oh. okay. Just uh, Yeah, you might want to just mute, mute your mic a little bit because it was loud. Okay, yeah, I was getting ice from the fridge. Sorry, it's like freaking boiling here. You're in Grand Prairie. That's like next door to Santa Claus. It can't be that hot. Oh, it's 30. We got heat warnings on for the next three, four days. Yeah, I oh, think everybody in Western Canada does. Okay, so final score. I watch, actually watched this game. I missed the – I started watching it. I was in the bar. I was watching it, and all of a sudden I went – I was so mad because they turned off the game. And I'm going, come on, you guys, how can you turn off the game in the middle of a football game, right? Because all of a sudden we had golf and tennis and everything else was up there, and I was pissed off. I was yelling at them, and they said, we didn't touch it. I went, what the hell? And then I found out it was a rain delay or a thunder delay, yep. lightning delay. Uh, so then I had to apologize. But then I, I, I went home, and I sat down, and I goofed around for a little while, and I thought, yeah, let's check on the game. Let's see who won. And I go, they're in the middle of another rain delay. I went, really? It's, still, it's not even halftime yet? So uh, I sat down and watched the rest of the game, and with about seven minutes left in the game, I fell asleep. So, <laughs> oops. I didn't see Mike Riley win the game. So, I so much for me being a football fan. Okay, so final score was Edmonton Eskimos 33, Winnipeg 30. Edmonton won this one. So, according to our predictions, Will and Mark are eliminated from the competition because you picked Winnipeg to win. Charles, you were off by 15 points with 31-17. Chris, you were off by 21 points with 32-10. And CJ was off by 22 points with 39-14. Charles, you win the first game of the season. Hooray! Hooray. Hooray. Five games this this one. I'm undefeated. You're undefeated. You got one. Okay. So, what's going on here? CFL, what we're made of. Next game up. See, this has really confused me. I don't understand. The first game of the season is always a rematch of the Grey Cup. It should have been Calgary and Toronto playing, but it wasn't. So now we got the defending Grey Cup champions playing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Who cares? Um, so anyhow, yeah, Toronto, the Argos came into to Regina to play the Rough Riders, and final score was 27-19 for the Riders. All Eastern teams lost, including the Bombers. So Toronto took this one. Uh, took a bath on this no, one. No, no. Let's get. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Toronto took a bath on this one. Okay, Saskatchewan won it. Uh, Charles, you're first up. You picked Toronto, by the way. 
I did pick Toronto, by the way. So, yeah, my undefeated streak is over. Um, yeah, I, I actually did. This was one game I did not see. I was actually out uh, Friday night. Um, so I was relying mostly on highlights. And it looked like Zach Caleros, I know a lot of people talking about him coming out of the preseason. Uh, they were worried about him, but for this week anyways, those worries were unfounded as he seemed to really bounce back and kind of play more like the Zach Caleros uh, we were expecting to see last year. Um, Toronto, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Toronto before the, about a, uh, there was a call on a, uh, on a pick, uh, which basically was the turning point of the game. But uh, I don't know. They were just playing from behind all night. It just didn't uh, – they never got their game going, really. Um, Ricky Ray was okay. He wasn't great Ricky Ray. He wasn't terrible. He was somewhere in the middle. Um, but, um, yeah, I think the big story coming out is the play of Zach Caleros. He's able to lead them to a victory. We'll see uh, if that was uh, what were going to be the norm or was that a blip on the radar for Zach Caleros. We don't know. I'm not really ready to just anoint him, you know, the Zach Claros of all. I need to see more of him. I think most people would. But uh, good for him, uh, at least for uh, for game one, anyways. Well, we could say the same thing about most of the quarterbacks out there that we have well, to of see course, more yes. of profile. Especially like Jonathan Jennings. Is he yeah, last no, year's quarterback or the year before, that. right? So Zach Caleros, yeah. I thought he played really, really well. It was a respectable game for him. So, I don't know. You could, you could be right, but we do need to see more. That's for sure. Yes. William, did you watch the football game? Nah, stupid question. Uh, yeah, I did watch the football game. Um, and I, after, after watching Edmonton Winnipeg, this one was a bit of a snooze fest. Just my thoughts. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, I never have liked either one of those teams, but I did watch it. And Zach Kolaris looked, he was as impressive as most of the other quarterbacks in the CFL for the first game. He plays on a good team. Um, I noticed Charleston Hughes was out to prove a point to Calgary. And I guess he probably did prove that point. He had three sacks. So uh, good on him. And, uh, hey, Saskatchewan won because Toronto doesn't win during the season. It's that simple, especially in Saskatchewan. Um, I was I was looking to see, uh, come on, what's his name? <laughs> Toronto's running back run all over everybody, but James guess Wilder. what? He didn't do it. James, James who? The guy who wanted to raise, did, he didn't. He yeah, didn't yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, at least, at least I can talk to everybody, talk to everybody else and say that, by that, but... What the... So James Wilder wasn't that great. Um, what the hell just happened? What, what, what was that? That's, that's, been, that's been happening all night, Christopher. Okay? Really? It's it's slow-mo microphone by Christopher Jones. Okay? So, anyway... That was somebody really fast. Hey, that sounded so, like so a Toronto... Yeah, it did. Anyways, Saskatchewan won. No surprise. They're in first place in the West. And of course and of course all those people out there are planning the parade. Because they beat I, I the think... they beat the Grey Cup champions. All right up. 
Oh, are they in first ahead. place in the West? I, I never looked. Of course they are. No, Edmonton is. Of course is. they are. No. They're yeah. tied. No, no, no. According to uh, CFL.ca, uh, Edmonton is in first place because they have the most points for. Followed by Calgary, oh BC, God. and Saskatchewan is in fourth place. Is the only Okay. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. Winnipeg's in fifth. That's the only guarantee in the West right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Mark. Mark. Unmute your yeah, mic. Yeah, it's unmuted. I watched the game. Um, actually, at the start of the game, I don't know if, Christopher, if you or Charles saw it, but the first couple of drives, Kalaros looked exactly like he did in Hamilton. And it was just, uh-oh. And about halfway through the first quarter, they took out an offensive lineman and replaced him with Bladek, whoever the lineman was they took out. I don't know if he forgot he was supposed to block, but he was just letting guys in on Kalaros. Kalaros was running for his life the first part of the first quarter. And he was under-throwing. But then he completed one to Holly, like a 20-yard pass, and then he just started rolling after that. He did start to look like the old Kalaros. You are right, that I think, that we need to see another game. Maybe two games because see against the West. Let's face it, yeah, Toronto's the Great Cup champion, but in the regular season, it's total domination West over East. So, and Will's right, Wilder was invisible. Um, yep. Wilder was invisible. Ray didn't, he was way down. He, his throws were really off. Now, it's the first time he's thrown really, to receivers in a game because he didn't play in the preseason. But Calaros didn't either. So um, Saskatchewan was full marks for the victory, and it wasn't based on the offense that got them the victory. It was that defense. That defense is scary. Hughes had the three sacks. He had those three sacks in the first half. Yep. That's a good-looking defense. And, you know, they haven't really played together that long. So once they gel a bit more, that's going to be, if their offense gets on track, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Because their offense really didn't do a lot. If you look, Carter only had three. Carter led the riders with catches, and he only had three. And Calero spread it out to, I think it was nine guys. But they were gifted a lot of stuff. Let's face it, there was the pass interference that we, you guys are going to be talking about and stuff like that. So, But uh, no Saskatchewan's full marks for the, fi- the victory. Go ahead. Okay. Last up, Chris, you again. Yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely uh, not as entertaining as the first game, uh, by all means. Um I have to agree with Charles and and uh, Mark, and I think Zach Claris did look good. Uh, he he stepped up. Uh, he got hit after throwing a couple times. He didn't get happy feet. Um, if he gets on track, it's, they're going to be a scary team. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're going to be a hard team to beat because the D was was stellar. And I mean, I think you're seeing that Hughes is finally benefiting from someone on the other side being the stronger player. 
because he's done that for years for everybody on Calgary. Now Jefferson's the one they're worrying about, and it lets Charleston have a bit more room. So good for him, and I was happy for that. And uh, it was it was it was a good game. It just wasn't as entertaining because uh, it was slower. Um, but uh, but yeah, my big takeaway from it is if Zach gets going, it's going to be a nightmare to try and beat Saskatchewan. They're going to going to be a good team if he can uh, get even half as good as he was, and he looked pretty good. I thought he looked pretty sharp. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, looking at this uh, replay of Simone Lawrence. Did you see it? What an idiot. Anyhow, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, he's an idiot. But... <laughs> we'll get to that in the next game because he, he is an absolute idiot. Okay, so um, I actually didn't have a chance to watch this game, so I'm not going to make much comment on it. Uh, I don't really care about either team, uh, kind of like Will. I couldn't care less who, who wins, and in, under those circumstances, you get one of these. Bing! But Saskatchewan did win. They did beat the Argos 27-19. Charles, you were eliminated, and so was Mark. Will. You were very close. You actually picked the 27 bang on to Saskatchewan and 14 for Toronto. You're off by five points. Wow, that's awesome. Chris, 25-21. No, Chris was off by four points. And CJ was off by eight. Eight. So uh, this one goes to Chris. Congratulations, buddy. You know, well, when I, only time I'll ever be tra- tied with Charles, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you figure that, you know, when you get within eight points, you've got a pretty good shot of, of winning this one. I was like in third. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you guys did a good job on this one. Okay, so. Third game up is the Hamilton Tiger Cats came over to Calgary to play the Stampeders in McMahon Stadium. I know Will was at the game. Uh, kind of an exciting game. Eh, maybe not. Uh, Calgary doubled up the Tie Cats 28-14, and nobody was surprised by that at all. Charles, take it away, buddy. Again, a lot of this game I didn't get to see because I was on my way to the uh, BC Montreal game. Um, but uh, from basically what I can gather, uh, the Stampeders did just enough to win. Um, they didn't. They certainly didn't blow out Hamilton, uh, twenty-eight to fourteen. But it was a relatively close game right until I think into the fourth quarter. It was only uh, eight. Yeah, going eight to the fourth quarter. It was, eight thirty. Yeah, exactly. So it it wasn't like it was a spectacular game. Now, certainly the Stampeders did score a few late late points. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell, he was okay. He wasn't spectacular. He was less than 50% completions. Um, A good game for uh, Kamar Jordan, uh, four catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Looking over at Jeremiah Mazzoli, you know what? He had a relatively strong game, although it looked to me like the Cats had decent movement between the 20s but had no finish because um, they only put up the 14 points. 
And when you're a quarterback and you pass for 344 yards and you don't have a touchdown pass, that's not normally a good sign. Um, so uh, Sam Peters, I think, uh, got some uh, pretty decent play out of their defense. Uh, they really held the Ticats uh, in check. They held them out of the end zone for mu- much of the game. In fact, I think they only had the one touchdown in the first quarter by, uh, I think it was a run by Mazzoli. Um, but again, the Stamps, uh, they got to, they got enough done what they needed to do, and that was all they did. Uh, they were not exactly playing the best team in the league, and they didn't look like the best team in the league either, but they got the job done. They got the win. Good on them. Um, good job from the Stamps. But uh, if they're going to be playing with some of the top contenders, they're going to have to play better. Without question, they're going to have to play better. Yep. William, you were at the game? Yes, I was. And I I stayed relatively dry because it was pretty crappy in Calgary. It was a little chilly, but I only got sprinkled on twice, so I was happy about that. I'm a, I'm a pretty... I'm a pretty intense individual at football games. And no. The, St- the Stampeders drive me. The Stampeders drive me insane. Okay, because okay, it seemed that Bo Levi was off by inches all night long. Um, the one inches thing I will dark. say about him is he. Well, the one thing I will say about him, he's moving quite well in the pocket. He showed uh, some mobility that I've never seen before. Maybe that's why he's lost 22 pounds. Maybe that's the key to it. But I, uh, the thing I like about Bo Levi Mitchell is he does not panic, okay? He does not panic. He does not like to get hit, but he does not panic, okay? He can stand back there all day long, and he just there's no, there's no rush with him whatsoever. Um, a couple of plays that should be mentioned are... Who is Larry? Is it Larry Jones for Hamilton? He's a receiver or something like that. It's a real Mike pedestrian Jones. name. Mike Jones. He had quite a long pass reception, and he beat a guy yards. by the name. Right, he beat a guy by the name of Trey Robertson, and if nobody knows that name, he is Larry Highbaugh's grandson. Okay, really? I don't know really? if any of you guys knew that. Yes, yes. So he made the Stampeders. I don't think I don't think he'll be the starting cornerback because Deontay Evans is still out. But he got burnt on that one a little bit. But you know who knows? He, they must see something in him. Anyways, when I say I'm an intense guy, Calgary just goes along and goes along and goes along, and then oh, okay, the game's almost over. I guess we should try and win now, and they just turn it on and they win. Okay. It drives me insane. It makes me bite my fingernails, okay? It makes me not in a very good mood some nights. But they won. So, and you know what? Hamilton, if Mazzoli plays like that the rest of the year, Johnny Manziel's not going to see the field because Mazzoli was pretty impressive. Okay? Yeah, he was. I've never, been a, I've never been a fan of his, but the last two years he showed something, and the guy... The guy is really mobile, and he can also throw on the run, and uh, he's a pretty decent quarterback. And if he plays like that, Manziel's not going to, you know. But, on, of course, I looked on, on TSN's website, and who is TSN? 
interviewing after the game. Not, not <laughs> Jeremiah Mazzoli. It's Johnny Manziel, okay? So, how did you like being in southern Alberta? And it's like, what a bunch of crap. Okay? So, anyways, um, Calgary's... Uh, Calgary's run game is going to take a lot of development this year because it's not it's not going to be a it's not going to be a clubber kind of run game. It's going to be a fast run game, and they scored a touchdown with five or six minutes to go, a forty-six yard touchdown out of the backfield. That's what their running backs are going to do this year because they're all fast and speedy, but they're not uh, they're not beasts like Jerome Messam. So, but I'm okay with the game first first game, decent effort. We'll see what happens when they play Toronto this week on Saturday night, which they should beat them. But you never they know. should. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be a challenge. Let's find out what happens. But you, but you never know. And that will your be your that will be your Grey Cup rematch. So I think there's a few Calgary Stampeders who have some uh, skin in that game. Yeah, but if Calgary plays the way that they did against Hamilton, Toronto's going to beat them. I don't necessarily think that because I think uh, Hamilton showed more than Toronto did. To be honest with you, maybe. Okay, Mark, jump in board, buddy. I didn't actually watch the game, but I did listen to it. I was working, so I had it on on my phone, and um, it really did seem like um, Bo Levi was running a lot more out of the pocket. They were talking about a lot that he seemed to be moving better. So that is going good going forward. But as for the game itself, wow, that was definitely boring. Um, the first half of Hamilton. You were listening to it on the radio. What did you expect? I mean, come on. I know. Well, you were at the game, Will. Was it an exciting game? Well, no, it was not. It no. was boring. Sorry. It was boring. <laughs> when it's 12-11 in the CFL in the third quarter, there's a problem. <laughs> um, no, it, it, I thought Hamilton's defense played really well. Uh, they seemed to confuse Mitchell. Like Will said, his throws were just a little off constantly, and they seemed to confuse him a little bit, and they got a lot of pressure, which was surprising. Um, but Calgary, like Will said, he, they don't panic. They just, okay, and they they buried it at the end. The score does flatter Calgary at two touchdowns because they did get the one really late. Mm-hmm. Um, but Masoli did what he does. He played really well, and then he threw an interception at the wrong time. It just seems to, I don't know if he needs more seasoning or he maybe somebody different calling the plays, but it just seems near the end when the ball's in his hand and they've got a chance, he throws interceptions. And Kevin I know Glenn they, the Tiger Cat message boards, everybody wants Johnny. They want Mantel out. Of course or, they do. Um, they want of him playing. They well, no, they're saying it's because of Masoli because he always loses the games at the end. That's what these guys are saying. So they want Johnny. I hope to hell it doesn't happen yet. And I I, I don't know fine. how they can say that. I don't know how they can say it because Mazzoli has played eight CFL football games for Hamilton. Yeah, one, and won six of them. 
it, yeah. And, right. So no, exactly. Yeah. It, it's I thought Ham, you know Hamilton could have easily won that game if they had just smartened up and did different like in the Winnipeg game did different play calling instead of always going down the field when you can run the ball. And Calgary's running game, that sounded like it was a lot of fun. And then on the highlights, I love watching the scat backs like that, the guys that just are all over the place. It was It's going to be fun to watch that evolve into a full season. As for the game, uh, Calgary does, I guess, deserve to win. Somebody had to win that one. Um, that's it. Okay. Chris? Did the Stampeders impress you? Uh, I wouldn't say impress me. Um, they didn't disappoint me either. Um, I think a couple of the big takeaways, I think, were more around Hamilton than they were about Calgary. Because I just, Calgary really exemplified to me that this is still like glorified preseason. Just because clearly Mitchell didn't take a lot of reps in preseason. Um, and you could see he just wasn't in sync with his new receivers yet, and they're just a couple steps away from from being okay. I mean, he definitely looked quicker in the pocket. So I Calgary is one of those teams that they'll be fine. <laughs> they find ways to win. They won. Um, it's what they do. Uh, it wasn't a thrilling game, but when you watch Calgary play like that, you just you can see that it's there. It's just not all connecting. So you're never panicking about it. You're just kind of, okay, well, they better play better next time, but you you know they probably will. Um, D looked really good. Uh, Alex Singleton, did he make 10? I'm pretty sure he made 10 at least again. Um, they both looked good. I like the run game. I like Williams. I like Jackson. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't a huge Jerome Messam fan. I didn't get on like a lot of the other people did, but – um, I like that style of running for certain things, but I do prefer the exciting style, uh, like Harris and 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 I, like I said, now with Jackson and, and Williams back there, uh, I was impressed with that. Um, but really, my takeaways was Hamilton, as with my previous comments, they better worry about their secondary because Calgary might have missed those throws, but those guys were wide open, and that's not good. That's <laughs> Like, that was not a good performance by their secondary. Their front seven did really well. And, yes, they pressured Bo, and that's maybe why he threw some of them away like that. But if they don't have that and they get one split second less and they were pass rush, those guys were wide open. Like, there was breakdowns after breakdowns in the Hamilton secondary. It was not good. I I think that if any if they can figure out how to slow down the front seven, the, someone's gonna be, they're going to be in trouble because, boy, oh, boy, you cannot leave receivers open like that. And that's, like I said, they're not the only ones. That's It was a common theme for a couple teams. But I would, And secondary, I mean, Mazzoli looked really good. I, I think Mazzoli's getting up there to the point where I would put him with Nichols almost, right? And that getting close to being a top-level quarterback, if not breaking the – yeah, well, you're, everybody's opinion varies on that. But, yeah, like that elite status, uh, I can see Mazzoli getting there. I, I like what he does. I think he's he's good. He's accurate. He, he moves well. It just He impresses me. He, he did at the end of the season. And, I mean, they clearly have film on him, and it doesn't seem to make a huge difference. Um, I think their big issue is their receiver size. Their average receiver height is 5'10", and that's going to hurt him. And that, it did. 
because you're playing against DBs used to be like five ten, five eleven, but you're seeing everybody go with those taller, you know, six foot, six foot one, and then the receivers are like six foot four, and they've got three receivers that are between five foot seven and five foot ten, and I just, I think it's going to kill them. I, I just, I don't. It makes it very hard to find them, and you have to be darn dead on with your throws. And Mazzoli's pretty good. But it puts a lot of pressure on him, and any mistake becomes a big mistake, I think. And I, I think that's really going to hurt them as well. And I think it did. I think it did. I, I think they can't. You look at the games that were played and how many times, even like a Mike Riley, how many balls do they throw that you'd call 50-50 balls where they're just trusting their receivers to go get it? And I, every, all of them do it, and it's very common to do it. But you can't do that when your receiver's 5-7 and the guy guarding them 6-2. Sorry, you can't. Those guys are all possession receivers. They're all skilled root runners, but man, or or fast like Banks. But man, you're not going to win those fifty-fifty balls, and that's going to kill them. I think that's their biggest issue with their offense. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, thing I got, I didn't watch this game again. I'm sorry. I've just been very busy lately, so in, we're having fun with it. But here's what I said: late in the half. Jeremiah Mazzoli tries to hit Jalen Saunders on the sidelines. Okay, this is the offense, right? (laughs) Modi Horn, a defensive player, standing on the sideline, walks onto the field and catches the ball and walks off the field. He took the ball away from his own receiver. Okay? I want to know why Hamilton wasn't flagged for illegal substitution here. Okay? You can't leave the field and come back on. So I, you have to believe that you're not allowed to just come on the field, catch the ball, and leave. Okay? That's got to be a penalty. He never made it to the field. He was on the white stripe. He was on the, he was on the, the other side, side of the white really stripe. Short. I'm he, he, watching he was it. On that, the is, that is He's a on the serious stripe. debate. Well, he didn't touch green. He never went under the green, so he did not touch the field of play. He was on the on the he was on the line, which the, mm-hmm. let's let's face it, the line's like four yards wide. Now, I, I completely be agree with line. you. Okay, but he but reached yes, no, into was... the playing field. His hands yep, were no, in I the agree. playing field. He may not that, have stepped yep, he, on the field. He hurt his own team, though, right? So why penalize him? He hurt his own team. So mm-hmm. if that, if he would have done that to a Calgary receiver. You might have, I, you might have oh, supported you pretty big, but <laughs> there, there would have been a war. Yeah, yeah. So he did but it to I mean, himself, and what a moron! You know, I understand that a rookie getting overzealous, but you know he's not. He's just an asshole. Mm. Uh, unbelievable! I, I don't know what to say about that one. Anyhow. Uh, like I said, Hamilton or Calgary doubled up Hamilton 28-14. Charles called it correct. He doubled him up 40-20, to 20, but he was off by 18 points. Sorry, buddy. Whoops. We all picked uh, Calgary to win, so nobody was uh, eliminated. Will, 39-8. to eight. Was Off, off by, by 17. 17. Mark, 31-17. Off by 6. Chris, 35-20, off by 13. And CJ, 36-16, off by 10. This one is Marks. Yay. So, so 
so far everybody's you know everybody's different. Everybody else gets to to win one here. Okay. So, Everybody uh, except for CJ and Willie. <laughs> CJ and Willie, right? That's it. We got we got one game to figure this one out, don't we, Will? What we're made of. What we're made of. Okay. What have we got here? We got the Montreal Alouettes coming to BC to play the Lions. Now, since the year 2000, okay, which is 19 seasons ago, Montreal is 3-16 and in BC. It's the place where Montreal comes to lose. Okay? And they did just that this time. No, awesome. 22-12, BC Lions. This was a sleeper of a game. I'm sorry. I love my Lions. They got to play better football than this. The one shining star I saw out of all of this was Jonathan Jennings. He played a near-perfect game. And, uh, wow. Charles, you were at the game, buddy. Tell us what you saw. I was. Well, I had a little bit of a, uh, you know, what the hell is going on moment in the first quarter uh, when Drew Willie was throwing balls down 30, 40 yards downfield and actually completing them. Sure, maybe he got lucky a couple of times, but uh, what the hell, I mean... Uh, I'm used to Drew Willie throwing the ball downfield and it landing safely away from everybody. Um, but then the Lions' defense really took the game over in the second half. They, After that first quarter, they tightened up and they really shut Montreal down. Montreal did not score a point in the uh, final three quarters of that game. Oh, and before I go any farther, I have to say something. The BC Lions are first in the league in sacks. Yes, five. That's something I have not been able to say for quite a long time, so I'm getting it out now. They had five sacks. Um, I thought Odell Willis had a strong game. The whole defense had a strong game. On offense, Jonathan Jennings, he didn't put up crazy huge yardage, but in terms of percentage, he was lights out. He only missed four passes. Uh, only took one sack, so the offensive line, along with the defensive line, kind of held up their bargains. They did their best. And I wanted to point out something as well. Through two preseason appearances and an entire first game, Jonathan Jennings has still yet to throw an interception. It's early still, but that's a very, very encouraging sign. Uh, And the Lions offense, much like they did in the preseason game the week before, they started somewhat slow, and they built as they went along. That You could see very clearly that that offense was starting to click more and more. I still think they don't have their timing down. Like I think Chris said earlier, uh, early on, the first week of the season is still very much preseason. This is the first time that this group has been all together for an entire game. So uh, it, they were not quite clicking um on all cylinders, but they did get better as the game went along. Montreal, conversely, got worse as the game went on. I I thought their their offense, while they had a big start in the first quarter, they were not a vet in the second half. Now, I'm sure a lot of that had to be with the BC's play shutting them down, uh, 
but it looked like the Drew Ellie we all came to know and love because they could not move the ball in the second half. And the defense played well. The offensive line played well. I thought, for the most part, all facets of the Lions played well. And I thought they were full value for the win. And I thought they probably could have been up more. But uh, as it was, we'll take the 22-10 to 10 week, 22-10 uh, to 10 win, and then go into the bye week. I don't like early season buys. I think they're stupid. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a necessary evil. So because we've got three of them this year. So good on the Lions, and uh, I'm looking forward to their next game in Edmonton because I thought they played really well on Saturday. Yeah. I don't know what's worse, early, uh, early buys in the in the season or late ones. That last week one going into the playoffs, especially if you're finishing first and you're yeah. not playing for three weeks. It makes it four. It's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Come on, tell me what you think of Jonathan Jennings. Passing rating of 131.9. Come on, Will. Let's hear it. Is he gone? In my opinion, Jonathan Jennings, in my opinion, Jonathan Jennings hasn't completed one pass in the CFL this year. Why? Because I didn't watch the game, so I cannot comment. Sorry. It's on you my TBR. I want to watch it. No, because I was on my way home from the Calgary Dan game. Peters game, and I had to go pick my wife up, and one thing led to another, and, yeah, I didn't get to see any of it. It is on PVR. I'm going to watch it, but I haven't watched it. So I can't say anything, but I'm looking at the stats, and Jonathan Jennings is our man. Okay? I can see it. MOP, here we come. Yeah. Yeah. Because he Will's also – Wait a minute. Hold on. Not only did he did he pass for 281 yards, but he also uh, he also uh, come on. He ran for 57. So yeah, but no, sorry, he didn't pass for 200 and some odd yards. He passed for 183. 183. Willie. 183 for five. Yeah, Willie actually got 281 yards. Wow. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. On 25 completions, that's not bad. First quarter. Yeah. Nope. That's all I got to say. Sorry. Okay. Well, Mark. Yeah, and uh, his 183 yards was five yards more than Chris Trevler. So <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, the first part of the game, now whether it's rust or what it was, I know it's kind of a new defense, especially in BC, because they're all over in Winnipeg. But Willie was burning them. Willie wasn't just, like, throwing ducks. He was burning the D-backs. It was like, oh, this could be a long game for BC. This could be interesting. He played really well as a stat show in the first half. Um, BC looked good. Jennings looked really good, but it, it's kind of the free bingo space. Uh, let's see them play Edmonton, Calgary, hell, even Winnipeg. I, I want if they play Saskatchewan, if they played like that, Saskatchewan probably would have beat them. Um, they just looked off for a long stretch, and what saved it for I thought was Jennings and his running. 
he ran really well, which he wasn't doing last year because of the injury, I guess. But, mm-hmm. um, no, I thought he ran really well, and then it seemed to calm him down a bit and give him some confidence. Uh, yeah, BC did look good, but again, it's against Montreal, so it's really hard to gauge. True, true. Um, yeah, like because Terrell Sutton was running through the defensive line at the start of the game, and then in the second half, I don't know if they just fully went away from it, but he did nothing. Uh, but that's about it. It's hard to gauge anything against Montreal right now. It's early in the season, and it's Montreal. Yeah. You know, even against Montreal, you had expected a lot more running plays out of BC, and it just didn't happen, you know? Yeah. Jeremiah Johnson got 10 touches. It's just, really? Come on, guys. He needs more than that. He yep. needs more than 10 touches in a football game. That's if he's not thing, in the 20-25 yeah. touch range, you know, we're not going to be winning games this year. You've you got to rely on the run game. Yep. Okay. Chris? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the... I, I think that what the biggest thing that struck me was BC looked better than they have for a while, uh, without a doubt. I think that obviously the coaching change makes a huge difference because what you saw from Jennings was the high percentage short passing game mm-hmm. with the with his running, and that's why you didn't see as much running game because those are glorified runs. A lot of them are they're the swing out passes and that sort of stuff. They're glorified run plays, and. It's a ball control style offense, and you did not see Jennings be the gunslinger. He wasn't whipping it 50, 60, 70, 80 yards down the field. And I think that was exciting to watch, but was a very big hindrance to his development as a quarterback. Um, And conversely, when I think that the coaching staff for Montreal had a good game plan going in, The, 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 the defenses are always super hyped. And the reason that they were successful in that first series was because they were doing double moves right off the bat. And usually you set the double moves up by doing the short game and then going long. They just went long. And I think that the DBs were biting it. They, were, they wanted to make the big tackle. They wanted to make the big stop. And they just they bit and they bit and they bit. And he, he's a good enough quarterback to make the throw when the guy's open. And they took advantage and got their one touchdown. But then as soon as the D, the, the D calms down, and the defensive backs realize, you know, hey, I don't want to get burnt and look like an idiot out here. They stop biting on those first cuts, and they, they play their position properly, and that's what you saw. And I don't think you're going to see that kind of success going forward because as the season goes, everybody mellows out anyway. I mean, you're going to always be excited for the game to start, but not like the first game of the year. Where, and, I mean, they weren't the only team guilty of it. You saw it in other in other games, too, where – the DBs were being beat off the bat, and uh, they were just too excited, too much adrenaline pumping, and and they were they were trying to come up and stop the run and letting that guy go, and it just makes them look silly, and they they get the hint pretty quick and adjust, or they don't they don't stay on the field. So I I wasn't overly surprised by the game. I the, the quick touchdown, I saw what they were doing, and I wasn't overly excited. I, I didn't sit there and go, oh, good Jesus, Montreal's going to be a great team or anything. Um, I knew exactly what they did. It was good coaching. Because, hey, that's what I would do as an offensive person and try to take advantage of the D and what they were going to do. And uh, it, But it only worked so long, and that was clear and evident. And I think good on BC for, for going to that style. Make Jennings a quarterback, not just a gunslinger. And, he's, and then what will happen is you'll see the gunslinger come back in. You play that short game, you play that short game, you play that short game, and then you do the double move and, and you get – 
you know, those guys going deep and, and we know Jennings can hit them. And uh, I think you'll see a lot more exciting ball coming from BC. I think this is just really good getting him back into his groove and, and, and a good coaching call for BC to get confidence back and, and get rolling again. It wasn't an overly exciting game, but I really enjoyed the coaching aspect of it because they were both well coached. It's just unfortunately Montreal doesn't have the talent to keep it going, um, which with Sherman surprised me. I mean, the guy's, you know, he was a big question mark, but they definitely, I mean, football's football at certain levels, and that definitely what they took advantage of was a football thing. And, uh, and you know what? Sutton's an amazing running back. I feel so sorry for that guy. I mean, the second half he didn't do nothing because they didn't give him the ball because they were behind again, and not by that much. And it's going to be way worse as they go into the season because they should have been down by a lot more, and they will be. And uh, Sutton's amazing, but, you know, at a certain point in the game, when you're down double digits, the running game goes away. And I don't think they should because I think it's their best chance, but that's just football. And we're uh, we're going to see a lot of Sutton off the start and a lot of not Sutton in the second half in most of the games, I think. So, But it was it was a good football game for a football person, but it wasn't overly exciting. But that's it. So, as you guys all know, I am a monster BC Lions fan and have been for, shit, way too long, way too long, over 40 years, close to 50 years. Um, I forgot the game was on. What the? <laughs> Honestly, I did. I was sitting around, I had company over, and we were talking away, and I went, football game's on and I grabbed the laptop and I got to watch the fourth quarter and it was really kind of a boring game until the fourth quarter uh but wow I forgot the game was on I'm I'm so embarrassed anyhow um I have a couple of questions on this when did Montreal change their logo Where, where did this bright red bird come from I, I know they're that doing the history. Been... <laughs> That's they're, like the retro CJ. logo. They're, they're doing the history of Montreal's franchise in the first six games or five games. Yeah. So next uh, next game, the Red Wings will be gone, and you'll get the con- uh, what the uh, triangle. That's the old uh, Concord. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and then yeah, and then they're going to go to the next one, and then they'll go back to their traditional one. So yep. every game it's gonna it's gonna change till they're at their present one. It's just a retro uh history of Montreal. Okay, so this was the logo of the Montreal Alouettes long, long time ago. Yeah, yes. it would have been like the fifties. Okay. Maybe earlier. Okay. Because it's pretty lame. Mm-hmm. Okay, true. Thank you. Um there's a lot talk about this game i'm i'm really happy about the performance of the bc lions although they got off to a really slow start hopefully that was just like getting you know the butterflies out of your stomach everything else jonathan jennings impressed the shit out of me not only for because of his passing ability because it really wasn't there but it was the ball control i mean when to when to go deep when not to when to take the sack or when to go down when to throw the ball out of he just played a nice game Okay, at 83% percentage uh, completion, I, I'm just happy with Jonathan Jennings coming back the way that he did. 
I know everybody else is down on this guy. Todd hates him. Jared is even worse. Montreal or Winnipeg just kind of hates him altogether. Oh, by the way, Mark has had to. Uh, Mark has left the show. He's got to get up early in the morning, so he is now gone. Uh, we can all go back to picking on the bombers now, or just me, one or the other. I don't care. Um, yeah. So anyhow, pretty excited. Pretty exciting for me. I, I love my victories, and uh, as as we all do. So. Montreal 10, BC 22 was the final score. Charles, you picked 35-11. Pretty close on the B- on the Montreal side, but a little uh, overzealous on the BC side of things. You're out by 14 points. Will, 27-9. Pretty close on Montreal. Still over on BC. You're out by six. Mark was 27-12. Uh, out by seven. Chris, thirty to two, to two. I love that. I love that. Hey, you yeah. take away that first. If you take away that first touchdown, I was with one point, man. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were close. You're very close. <laughs> Out by six. Yeah, but you know, if they kept the the, the touchdown on that pass in or on that holding call, it it would have been totally different. Yeah. Drew Willie scored two touchdowns, right? One counted, one didn't. Um, thirty to two. You're out by sixteen points. CJ. What the fuck? 42? You thought BC was going to score 42 points? Where did that come from? Sorry, 22 points would have been more realistic. I picked Montreal score bang on at 10 points, so I was out by 20. Well, you get to win. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So there's only four games, and we have four different people winning. If we had five games, do you think I could have got one? No, I don't think so. No. No, somebody would have got two. So that's how that one wrapped up. And okay. Uh, upset. I didn't get to win anything again. 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 Very, very sad. Very sad. About what we're made of. Okay, we're going to stick with the BC Montreal game. Uh, Lions defensive uh, player Marcel Young. Uh, the video of his uh, went viral on Saturday when he took down a trespassing field jumper during the game. Everybody's calling the guy a streaker, but he had clothes on, so he wasn't a streaker. That was that not a streaker. Not a streaker. Just an idiot jumping so on the what field. Was, so then what was the point? <laughs> I don't know. He's out Good on question. the field, around all over the place. Marcel Young just puts his shoulder into him, absolutely levels the guy right in the shoulder head area. The guy goes down on the ground, and he stayed down for some time. I don't know whether they had to get the doctors out or not, but they should have packed him away in an ambulance. Anyhow, he's taken a lot of flack for this hit, saying that he this is assault and he shouldn't be touching people on the field like this. I'm sorry. Uh. When you run on the field, you have given up all of your civil liberties – you are now a criminal, and as a couple of people s- stated that in the U.S., you are considered an a, a, I don't want to use the word terrorist, but you are – if you go towards another player that is an aggressive action, you are looking – anticipation of an assault. So the BC Lion player, hitting him is in self-defense even though it was mm-hmm. an aggressive action. Uh, where was security? Where was security? 
I mean, seriously, if this happened down in Texas, he would have got tasered long before he had any opportunity to get near a player or an official. So, you know, I'm sorry. I, I've got no, no bad no, – no, I don't feel bad for this guy at all. He got what he deserves. Marcel Young should not take any criticism. He did what he needed to do. He interfered with the game. Come on. We're here to watch football, not your silly ass <laughs> running around on the field. Okay, that's my opinion. I'm going to – Will, what do you think? Is this you know an assault? What? Did Marcel Young assault when someone, this? When someone, when someone runs on a football field, when someone runs on a football field, they usually get hit. That's what happens on a football field. True. He was running on the football field. I like that. He got hit. You know, maybe Marcel Young just didn't realize he didn't play for the other team, man, but he was running on the field, so he hit him. Wow. I mean, if you're going to be stupid enough and drunk enough to do something like that, you deserve everything you get. And I don't like to pigeonhole – I don't like to pigeonhole all security guards on football games, but they're usually fat guys, okay? <laughs> and they can't run. So he helped them, okay? He was just helping out his organization, protecting his stadium. Nothing wrong with it, okay? We've all done stupid things in our lives, and we've all paid the consequences. That guy paid the consequence. Pretty simple. And he was yeah. trespassing. In, uh, in Calgary, you do that. You get a lifetime ban, and you go to jail. They arrest yep. you. Okay? So, pretty simple. It's the same, same thing in BC. He spent the night in the jail. He may have spent the yep. night in the hospital. We don't know. He did so, not yeah, look very I, good. I have no problem with that. I have no problem. He looked like he was in La La Land, okay? so Yeah, yeah he was looking was for God. <laughs> okay. Chris. Would you have done that? Would you have smacked him about? 100%. 100%. And you know what? That's not something new. I, I, I think that's happened multiple times. It's just the difference is, is we live in a society now where everybody's on his side. It's the same thing with charging hockey players with assault. There's certain rules, and there's unwritten rules, and if you're going to go on that field, you're going to get hit. And that's, that's, it's been there since I played. That's the consequences you face. Cause you, you, and if you're going to go on the field, you better be smart enough not to get anywhere near a player because they're going to hit you. They're going to hit you every time. And I think the best thing that was done around it was that the, the, the uh, broadcasters agreed not to show the people to discourage it, and we just don't see it as much as we used to because it used to be a way to get on TV. But uh, 100%, if I was where Young was, I would have I smoked that guy. I'm, I, know, I know there's 99% of the players in the league would have. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The guy's an idiot, and he got what he got. And you know what? If you don't want to get hit, don't get close to the players because you know what? They're there to play a game, and they're, it's their job. And they're not happy when you do that, right? You interfere with stuff. You interfere with flow. We're bitching about lightning delays. Well, that's another delay. Maybe not as long, but it still takes you out of your rhythm. It still takes you away from the, what you're doing. And it's, it's, it's wrong. It's, it's stupid, and there's no reason for it. And he got what he got. And, and in my personal opinion, not only is it his fault because he went on the field, but it's also his fault because he got close to a player. Because if you're going to streak, I think for a long time there, people know you don't get anywhere. You, you see it in baseball even. You don't get close to the players if you're going to do that because every single one of them will take you down, clothesline you, whatever they can do, because they want you off the freaking field so they can do their job. 
So yeah. he's an idiot for getting that close to a football player. I, I think it was totally his fault, not only for being there, but then to get close to a player, he's an idiot. Totally. And yeah, I would he have shouldn't have gone on the field thing. in the first place. I think No, he, but I mean, if, if you're going to do it, you better not get close to those players because every one of them will do it. Every one of them. And I don't care if you're a football player, soccer player, baseball player, they'll all do it. I I think he's just very fortunate that it was Marcel Young that got him and not Solly. Yeah, like, it could have been way worse. <laughs> could have been yeah. way worse. Yeah. Actually, did you see the hit Drew Will- uh, Solly put on Drew Willie? Mm. He looked as dazed. I didn't think he was going to get up. Yeah. I honestly didn't. He, he smoked he, he him. Didn't, he did not look good. But, you know, to his credit, he bounced up and kept going. Okay, Charles. You're it. You yes. saw this at the game. What do you I think? Was there. Yeah. I saw it live. Spectacular. Yes, and the, the guy got um, young, got cheered. Uh, it was one of the loudest cheers of the night when he dropped that guy. And I'm sorry, he should have because, quite frankly, like everyone said, he is not supposed to be there. He is trespassing. He is on the field illegally. He's breaking the law. And this guy was already running around, and he had been running around for about 10 to 15 seconds before that. The security guards there were slowly sauntering in his direction, and then he got near the players. And I'm sorry, that player, Michael Young, he doesn't know if the guy has a weapon, is armed, is going to do something, um, um, you know, do something bad to him. So he pushed the guy over. He knocked him down. And I guarantee you, he could have hit him a whole lot harder than he actually did. But uh, I'm sorry, you're going to run on the field and you're going to get that close to the players? You're going to um, you're going to take it. I remember one time when I was younger, I was at a monster truck rally and some dumbass actually jumped onto the track where there's monster car monster trucks that can crush you driving around at high speed. One of the drivers actually jumped out of his truck and started beating the living crap out of the guy. So I, this is not something I haven't seen before. And I'm sorry, if you're going to run around on the field, you're trespassing, don't cry me a river, I don't care. And I heard about this idiot uh, lawyer who was apparently on the news tonight saying he would have a case to sue for assault. If that guy dares to sue for assault, he might as well just run himself right out of Vancouver because no one is going to support this guy. This guy's an idiot. You brought it on yourself. Take your lumps and go away and shut up because you're an idiot. No arguments. No arguments at all. Okay, so we're unanimous on this one. This guy has uh, – he shouldn't have done it. A. No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have got close to a player. B. And he should just shut up, smile, and take your consequences because you know yeah. what? You go in the field, something bad's going to happen to you. A. You're going to go to jail. B. You're going to go to the hospital. Hey, one or the other. And you know, I, I, there's absolute stupidity. Mm-hmm. And then anybody who wants to de- defend this moron is. I'm getting really tired of these lefty liberals that are coming out and doing all this stupid thing that this, this, Oh, Mm -hmm. you can't do this. And Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to get really political here, but 
the liberalization of this country and of the world is really taking this to another notch, and I'm not happy about it. And when do we start giving sympathy to morons? Not today. Not on the show. Okay. We're just moving on. That's okay. Here's another one that's which you know, Charles. I I love the way you do the agenda. The stories this week are really stupid, and I know it's not your fault because these are what the main headlines are and everything else. But any moron would know that this next segment is is erupt, is redundant. Toronto coach Mark Tressman has come under fire for not challenging an interception in Saturday's loss to the Rough Riders. Was the right not to challenge, or should he have thrown a flag? He can't throw a flag because all turnovers are automatically reviewed by the command center. Oh, that's right, yeah. Okay, automatically reviewed. Yet the story comes out that people are giving him shit because he didn't challenge a play that was already being reviewed. Now, I never saw this play, so I'm going to, like, yield to you guys' authority here. You tell me, was there a reason that he should have challenged this play? William, go at it. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Thank you. I was texting somebody something nasty. What What was the question? I'm sorry. Someone just said something online that I didn't like, and I had to respond. So, seriously, Could you repeat the question, sir. Yes, Mark Tressman. Question, sir. Mark Tressman comes under fire for not challenging an interception in Saturday's loss to the Rough Riders. Was the right not was it right not to challenge, or should he have thrown the flag? Now we I established the fact that he couldn't throw a flag because all it turnovers are automatically reviewed but he's getting flagged for this now my question is if you watch the game should did command center make the correct call should that have been changed does that make sense i think i think yes now it makes sense i don't think the command center made the right call just my opinion and I haven't had a chance to look at it 15 times, but that's my opinion. So I, I but uh, now Tresman couldn't challenge it. Is that correct? Well, every turnover is automatically reviewed by the command center. Yes, so I, I understand why, why that. Why would you throw a challenge on something that's already been reviewed? They've already looked at it and they've deemed it this way. Why would you waste your challenge on them? So they'd look at it again. They'd look at it again, but they've already looked at it. I mean, that's what, yeah, but some guys do that. We've seen it in the past where they, where they call a challenge after, after they've already come up with something just so they'll look at it again. Yeah, I know, but but once again, ever changed Has a command center ever changed their mind. No, 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 I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, And once again, Maybe Tressman wanted to save his challenge because he only gets one, which is really annoying. Okay? It is. 
So, I agree with that. But I want to know. So I want to know whether or not the command center made the right call here, and whether Mark Tressman throwing the the challenge flag would have made a difference. But I don't know. I don't. Charles, think so. Charles, what do you think? Uh it was really a marginal call, I think. I don't think it was um, one way or another. I, you know what? I, and you brought up the fact that all turnovers are reviewed, and for some reason that didn't even register with me. But So you're right. All these people calling for Trespin to have challenged, uh, it doesn't matter. It was going to be reviewed regardless. And obviously they reviewed it and decided it was not fast interference. So you really can't jump on, uh, on Trespin for it because um, – it was going to be reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it has to be reviewed, right? Yeah. That's the rule. That's the rule. Mm. At least it was when I was playing football and or watching it and watching it for years now. It's always been the rule, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yep. So, no, I have no problem. Um, I'm not going to blame Pressman. And, um, yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. Because they obviously reviewed it and didn't think there was anything there to call. Yeah, I, I thought it. I didn't see the play, and I haven't been able to find a video on it because I've been looking. But yeah, I was under the impression that there was a pick or something that was in this, and that doesn't make. Mm-hmm. Okay, pick wouldn't make sense though. But why are they calling it that? Okay, Chris, did you see it? What's your take on this one, since Will's not well, paying attention watched, to the show? Yeah. I watched the game. Uh, I think I know which play you're talking about. I think it was a pick, and I I, I think what they thought, it should have been interference. I think they think that he, he contacted the receiver and then cut in front of him and caught the ball. And they thought that it should have been a pass interference call, not a pick, is what it was, if I'm right. And I, I'm pretty sure I am. I agree that it was extremely marginal, um, and I have to default to the fact that they reviewed it and they stuck with their call. And I also have to stick with Mark not throwing the flag because you know it was reviewed, and your chances are minimal that you'd ever get it overturned, and you're wasting your one challenge plus I don't know if he would have had that much time to really get the, anybody to look at it. Like it was, it was, it was close. It was, it was, I get the argument both ways worked and you just kind of in the end have to default to what is called on the field. Cause you're not going to win those ones. They're too close. It wasn't blatant. Um, and your original point is the, the biggest thing is it was being reviewed anyway. Um, I, I, I yeah, you know what? It wasn't a game where I was uh, talking. I think it was well refed, and I I don't think that I would have. It's got to be more of a fan base homer thing, right? Um, than an actual football travesty. <laughs> so, no, I I think, and again, it's ridiculous to, to 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 go after Mark about it because it was being challenged anyway or reviewed anyway. So why would you waste your one challenge on something that you're going to have like a point zero one percent of winning? So, but I'm pretty sure it was okay. a pick, and that everybody thought that it should have been a pass interference call instead of an interception, because he hit him as he was going by for the ball. Well, so. 
but the are answer, you not allowed to make contact if you're going for the ball? You have a right to go for the ball. Yeah, but I think that, that he, the, there's that point where you can't go through the receiver to get it, and they thought that he went through the receiver to get the ball. Like it's a fine line, right? Like you can yeah. you can you have the right to the ball, but you can't go like over top of a receiver to get it. You can't go through a receiver to get it. And the argument was was that that, that, that the player went through the receiver to get the ball. And it was and it was it wasn't very blatant. It was very borderline. If if that was your impression, it was because you were a Toronto fan, kind of thing. In my opinion. <laughs> okay. It depends on whether or not contact was premature. I guess. It, it was. It it was slightly premature, but again, it, you're talking slow mo, right? So contact was slightly premature. And that was what the argument was, was that he went through the receiver to get the ball, not just getting the ball. Um, but I think he made a damn good play. And there might have been contact, but it was as the ball was kind of getting there. And it, it was like, if you slowed mow it, it's probably early. But, you know, these refs are making plays in real time, not slow mo. And it wasn't outrageous. It wasn't egregious. And it was being reviewed anyway. So... Yeah, but but you're right. The officials see it at, at at game speed, but the command center doesn't. They slow it down. They take a look at it. And they yeah, but they will. That's right, because they say they default to the ref because unless it's egregious, right? Like so. That's what I'm saying is that there was probably early contact by the rule book, but it was a damn good defensive play, and I think that they did the right thing. They stuck with what the call was on the field, and that was right. He has a right to the ball, and he might have touched the guy a bit early and kind of sort of went through him, but it wasn't one of these ones where the guy jumps on his back and then grabs it in front of him and tackles him as he's catching it. Like it's, I mean, there's some pretty clear going through the player to get the ball, that, and this was not it. He did touch him, but it was, it was more of an argument of they both have a right to that ball, and they kind of were in the same space at the same time <laughs> trying to get the ball. And okay. the D guy won. <laughs> and the D guy won. Yeah, as per usual. Okay. That's that. What's going on in Winnipeg? They got no quarterback. And the quarterbacks that they have are dropping like flies. More quarterback issues in uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers as backup quarterback Alex Ross is out four to six weeks with an injury. Who is already without a starting, their starting man, Matt Nichols, have a number of QB woes. And then they just signed Mitchell Gale, which has been on six other CFL teams. So I think he's doing the Kevin Glenn of the CFL right now. Um What's Winnipeg got to do to to correct this? I mean, how are they going to survive? Are they going to are they going to be even a, a, a respectable team after six games? They've got a tough schedule and they've got no visible QB. Is Chris Strebler going to be enough for them? Is it going to work? Charles, what do you think? They better hope so because right now they've got no other option. Yeah, I know they brought in Mitchell Gale, but really. How big of an option is that, to be honest? Um, uh, Strebler, he was good in week one. Um, he had some up points. He wasn't perfect. He missed some receivers. He had his ups and his downs. Uh, can he build upon that? And now um, 
teams playing Winnipeg are going to have film on this guy. They Edmonton didn't really have that luxury other than preseason. You can't really take much from preseason games. So let's see how he does against uh, other defenses now uh, once teams get to know him. So uh, the, I'm sure the Bombers are praying that Matt Nichols gets back as soon as possible and that his uh, injury heals as quickly as possible. But right now with Strebler, they've got, um, you know, that's their option. That's their guy right now. Uh, it's obviously not an ideal situation, and it doesn't help now that Alex Ross is out four to six weeks. Um so they're going to just be praying that this guy uh, can get the job done. Uh, he did a decent job last week. Let's see if he can build off of that. Okay. William, you're a quasi-Bombers fan. What's going on over there with the QBs? Well, you know what? I don't know if Alex Ross was an option so because he's not that good anyway, so... You know, bringing Mitchell Gale because wasn't he in? Was he not in BC last year? Yeah, Thank he you was in BC, and then, and then he was in he was in Calgary at the beginning of last year. Didn't cut it. So you know what? I guess he's sort of a backup. I mean, when you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice. Chris Stevler has to just hold this team together until Matt Nichols is better, and. I'm thinking people have film on him now, but I also think that maybe his second game, as he goes along, we'll see if he's meant to be a quarterback in the CFL. As he goes along, he'll get more and more relaxed, right? So I mean, we can go we can go back to Jonathan Jennings, the first year that he got to play five games. We know we knew nothing about him, and it turned out well for BC. Maybe Chris Strebler is the same way. So yeah, I mean, I'm not counting them out. At least, at least that's what you got to hold on to in Winnipeg, or you might as well quit. So, I mean, because cause who else are you going to get? Who's out there? I mean, that a team is willing to give up. There's probably not many. So, Gary well, and Durant. Too bad for Winnipeg. Yeah, that'll never happen. So. He got a seventy thousand dollar trade, a signing bonus. Yeah, but he won another signing bonus to go to the Winnipeg again. So, and he'd also yeah. won four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars as a starter. So, yeah, I think there was a poll somewhere by, by Bomber fans, and it was uh, uh, those three questions, and uh, it was who, what the Bombers want. Uh, Gary and Durant coming to town, uh, Gainer the Gopher being the uh, mascot, or a uh, bad case of the herpes. And I think bad case of the herpes was the number one choice. Well, and I, I also saw a bunch of people online saying that if they got Gary Durant, they would turn their season tickets in. So he's going to be hated in West forever. So. Wow. He. he, he the fact that Bombers even signed him was ridiculous. Why would they do something so stupid? Because they needed a quarterback. Yeah. A back. So, I mean, he's way past prime anyways. I don't think he ever had a prime, did he? Nope. No. He's one of the best never-was quarterbacks 
And regardless of what Ryder fans think, the guy was mediocre at best. In fact, he wasn't even that good. So, who's that? Darian Durant, Charles. No, no, he was not. No. Okay, well, Charles, go ahead. Tell us what you think's going on in Winnipeg with the quarterbacks. Where should they go? Who could they sign? Uh, was Mitchell Gale the best bet that they could come up with? Is that the well, only right thing? Right now, they could... yeah, there's, that's all they could come up with because really there's nobody else out there. Everybody else that's worth anything is signed to a team. Uh, they could have tried to make a trade, but who are they going to get that uh, other teams are going to be willing to give up? Mandel? Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> No, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the, Mitchell Gale was about it because, quite frankly, the, I don't think there was anybody else. They had to go get something, I think, and this is what they came up with. Now, does this uh, really mean anything? Because Mitchell Gale keeps getting cut everywhere else he is. So um, I'm not sure that the signing of Mitchell Gale is any sort of upgrade on what they already had. Yeah. He's been on five seasons, Hamilton, Toronto, Saskatchewan, Calgary, BC, and the sixth now is Winnipeg. So he's only got Ed, Edmonton, Ottawa, and Hamilton, or Edmonton, Hamilton, and uh, Montreal. He could, he could do it. Mm-hmm. He could yeah, do I it. suppose. Kevin Glenn did it. Maybe they could have gotten Kevin Glenn. Well, he's he's the backup in Edmonton. Yeah, maybe they could have given him something. Maybe Edmonton, but uh, they might need him if Riley goes out. So. Yeah, no, they, there's there's a reason why he's in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, jeez. Nothing else to say on this subject because it's really boring. Um, <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. We got to keep going because I, I want to get to this QB index because that's actually yep. something we can tell about. Um, yep. Free agent O lineman Travis Bond. This guy was cut by the Riders. Uh, has signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. Was his play last season a blip on the radar or a sign that he could be starting to slip a bit? Well, he did. He didn't play well in Saskatchewan last year. Who did? So he was Travis in Saskatchewan. Bond. Year. He was oh, in Winnipeg. sorry. Was he in? He, he was, was in with Winnipeg. Winnipeg last year. He was with Winnipeg last year, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no comment on Travis Bond. Anybody want to jump on this guy? He's really big, so be careful. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, it, it, it could it, it could be a good signing for Edmonton if they got him for the right price, <laughs> because. You got you cannot pay for an American guard, but the guy's a good guard. But you just can't pay big bucks for an American guard. You can't. So if Edmonton got him for a deal, then good for them, because he is a good guard and and he's a good player. But then that's why he got cut because he was just it's just too much money, and they were stupid to even sign him for what they signed him for. But that's how Jones does business. So, like, well, hang on. I'm happy that he's, he's, he's with the Bombers. I just got corrected. No, no. No, no, but he was with Saskatchewan because he went to a free agency. Yeah. Bombers didn't okay. sign him again. Jones signed him for what he was asking for and then cut him because he couldn't afford him because he's an American guard. 
So he never played for Saskatchewan, but he was cut from Saskatchewan. So, because the okay. Bombers didn't want to pay him that much money. Because you can't pay an American guard that much money. It's the same reason they got rid of Derek Dennis. Because they moved him from tackle to guard, and then they realized we're paying a guard way too much money. It's got to be a Canadian there, and that's just, it, you just can't afford to pay more than a rookie salary to a guard if he's American. So, he is a numbers game. Uh, he's a good player. I mean, he can help the Edmonton team. There's no doubt about it, and I, I'm glad he's there as long as they didn't pay him. But, I mean, he probably would have taken anything at this point because he wasn't playing at all. So, hopefully they paid him for a decent way, like maybe a little bit over, 60, 65. If they got him for that, great. If they're paying him too much, then bad on Sutherland because you can't, you can't afford that. But but he's a good player. I, I, I'm, I'm glad they signed him in Edmonton. I, I look forward to seeing him play there. It'll, it'll help Riley out for sure. But it's just a, it's a numbers game with that. It really is. There's, there's some insight, William. You gonna touch this one? You gonna let it go? No. You know what? When he uh, first went to Winnipeg, he's the guy who solidified solidified Winnipeg's offensive line. And uh, of course he. Thought that he was worth money, more money than he is, was, and and Chris Jones signed him to big bucks, and then he cut him just like as, as Chris said, just like uh, Derek Dennis. And so I think he can help Edmonton. Edmonton, uh, I mean, they lost Figueroa, and so they can use some offensive linemen. So, and if they got him for the right price, which if he makes more than eighty thousand dollars a season, I'd be shocked right now. So. Yeah, I mean, he had very little option as to where to go this year. Season's already underway. Rosters are set. He would have had to wait for an injury. Montreal or Edmonton picking him up was just a bonus. Yeah. Okay. Charles, you going to let her go? Pardon me? I said, do you have anything to add to this, or do you want to let it go? No, let's let it go. Okay, the league has announced Adidas will no longer be providing the jerseys for the league beginning next season. Does this mean a new round of uniforms? Does the league really need to to get a provider to stick around more than a few years? I'm a little lost why Adidas jumped on this one. Um, I know that uh, Reebok had it prior, and it was a reorganization of the company because Reebok is owned by Adidas, and uh, Reebok was going to more of the runners type of track type of uh, sporting event where the Adidas were doing more of the team sports. And that's why they did this. Now the Adidas uniforms were terrible. They were constantly being ripped and tore up and a lot of abuse for the uh, um, equipment managers to deal with. Uh, I wonder if they just got fed up with it or whatever, what's going on and who would we see next? And why would we change our uniforms again? The the rumor is it's going to be Under Armour, but hey. Oh, I please, I hope so. I don't know. I will actually, I will actually buy a CFL jersey if it's Under Armour. Why is that? I'm a big, that? I'm a big Under Armour fan. I like Under Armour too, to be honest. You, you mean know, to wear, or you like their yeah. company, or you like their profile, or what? I have. I, I like have their some, clothing. I do too. I have so much Under Armour stuff. It's not funny. As a matter of fact, 
and we've all heard the story of before when Will fell off his bicycle and broke his wing. He was yeah. wearing a long sleeved Under Armour shirt. Not a tear, not a rip, not nothing, man. It came out better than Will came out. How does that sound? So did they have to so, cut it off you? No, they didn't. I took it off. Okay. You don't want to mess oh. with my Under Armour, Chris. Yeah. I, no, I understand. I, I understand. I'm good with that. Pay too much money for the crap, so. Okay, so. Uh, no, I'd like to see Under Armour jerseys, then I'd buy one for sure. But I don't want to see uniform changes again. We've had too many in too short no. a period of time. Agreed. Hopefully, whoever this new manufacturer is will actually just keep the existing designs. The problem is, if it's if the designs are owned by Adidas, they won't be able to do that. So I don't know who owns no. uh, the the patent on the um, on the design. So they may not have a choice but to change. That's the problem. You know, I think the worst the worst thing about about jerseys is. I counted, are you ready? On Saturday night in Calgary, I counted 10 Johnny Manziel Cleveland jerseys in the crowd, okay? <laughs> really? It's pretty Yep. It's Why? Pretty because that's the only place they could wear their Johnny Manziel jersey, okay? And, and look respectable, so. Why would they ever buy one? Okay, never mind. Never Who mind. <laughs> okay. We got seven minutes left in the show. We're going to touch base on another thing. There was a recent QB index put out on CFL.ca. It has Mike Riley in first place. Hard to argue that one. Bo Levi Mitchell in second. I'm not sure mm. about that one. Pa- completing only 17 of 36 passes with an interception. I'm sorry. This that Second place is a bit of a stretch for, for him. In fact, the top five would be a bit of a stretch. Uh, Trevor Harris, who didn't even play, was in in position number three. Ricky Ray uh, lost with an interception, a pick six, no no less, in fourth place. Jeremiah Mazzoli, again, another loser, in fifth place. Jonathan Jennings in sixth place. Well, at least he won a game. No interceptions and was 20 for 24. This guy should have been up in second place. I'll look for it. Zach Caleros, 18 to 25, decent. Good game management. Didn't throw a pick. Seventh place, Drew Willie. Well, nobody's surprised with Drew Willie in eighth place. What's that, Chris? Sorry, I was just talking to my wife. I forgot to meet my mic. Uh, Chris Strebler in ninth place, which, uh, you know what? I think he played better than ninth place, even though. I would put him above Drew Willie. Definitely above Drew Willie. And probably above uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. I don't know. We'll see about that. But definitely above Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris should have been in last last place just because. Will, what are your thoughts? Do you think Bo Levi Mitchell deserved to be in second place? You watched his game. how How did they come up with this? Is there a mathematical, you know, thing here or not? Because... Actually, if you if if you talk about the first week, and I'll just talk about the best quarterbacks. I can't. Sorry, I cannot comment on Jonathan Jennings, but he only missed four passes. Okay. Yeah. So, I I was I was more impressed with Jeremiah Mazzoli than I was with Bo Levi Mitchell, to be honest with you. 
And uh, it's because, you know, I think Mazzoli's an up-and-comer. I really do. But uh, why is Trevor Harris even on the list? Don't know. Period. Okay, so it's just uh, who wrote that article or who came up with the index? No, no name. It just says CFL.ca staff member. Now, here's, here's the thing on Trevor Harris. A dark horse MOP candidate. Trevor Harris looks to start the new season off right against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The 32-year-old has a dynamic cast of receivers and is coming off a career year of two, in 2017 in which he threw for 4,679 yards and 30 TDs with only 11 interceptions. Dark Horse MOP candidate. Do you want to bet the guy who wrote the article is an Ottawa fan? <laughs> I love when they put CFL.ca staff. Because, uh, yeah, well, tell us who wrote it, though. Yep. I don't know, man. I'm just totally and completely confused by this listing. I'm not Jonathan sure. Jennings, Jonathan Jennings misses four passes, yet he's behind two quarterbacks that loses and a quarterback that didn't play. Yeah, and I think, I guess, if you want to do it easily and quickly, you, the top quarterback should have been the guys who won, and based on stats, period. I, I, I agree, but it also should go, I mean, if you're doing quarterback rankings, it should be on your quarterback uh, efficiency ranking, personally. Sure. Okay. Sure. For 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 people who completed more than one or two passes, like the yep. starters of the of the games, right? And I, you know, I'm you shocked Johnny Manziel's not on that list. I, I know. I, like seriously, why isn't he? He should have been number one. He got the most media attention. He got interviewed. Hey Johnny, how was the clipboard tonight? Seriously, yeah. I mean, I, you got to give Mike Riley some credit for 408 yards. How did you like Southern Alberta? <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, you know what the scariest thing is? Somebody who doesn't know the CFL coming in and starting to watch it, and they read articles like that, they have no clue what they're looking at. No, no, none you at all. Know what I mean? So, it's too bad. Chris, you got and a comment real quick? We got about ten seconds. I just I think they based it off last year and didn't even watch the games this week. I just think it's a last year holdover article or a stupidity article. Nothing big though. And I don't agree I'm, that Mitchell should be second with his performance, no way. Unbelievable. Okay, let's wrap this show up. This has been Let's Talk CFL podcast episode number fifty five. Uh, week one in review, man. We're watching football. It doesn't get better than this. We're going to be back at you Wednesday night, two nights from tonight, and we're going to preview the next week's games for you. Awesome. Wonderful. You guys have a great day, and we'll talk in, in, in a couple of days. Charles, say goodnight to the boys. Good night, folks. We will be talking to you on Wednesday because football is only three more sleeps away, so we'll be talking about this week coming up pretty quickly. Yeah. Chris, go ahead. Good night, everybody. Always great to talk football. See you next time. Or talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. See ya? Well, we could do this in video. No, we couldn't. Not with a place like Will. Will, Will, say good night. Good night, everybody.
I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Last thing you want to see is Will and his capris. Okay, you guys all take care. And uh, just for uh, Mark's benefit, bombers suck. Yay. <laughs>Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.